bombing all over the country. They are posing as movies you already know. They may be in your theaters, your neighbor's home, or even your own. Why are you doing that voice? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it made me sound cool. It doesn't. I'm Jason Bishop, host of the Invasion of the Remake podcast with co-hosts Sam Stepanenko and Trish Coughlin. Join us each week as we rotate talking about your favorite films and their not-so-favorite remakes. We'll also dig deep to find forgotten films that we think are more worthy of remaking, complete with our own fantasy casting. You can get all 130 episodes and counting on... Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and all the best podcast providers, even... Frickin' YouTube. For the low, low price of absolutely nothing, join the invasion. Subscribe today. Or we'll blow up your planet. Oh, I gotta do something for all the horror. I gotta do something for all the horror. Oh, let's do the thing. No. I like that way too much. Let's do a shittier version. Oh, let's do the thing from 2011. Yeah, that pissed off a lot of people, including me. It's in the basket, Ryder's bagel basket. You know how I knew you were human? When you showed up back at base? No. Your earring. It was your other ear. Welcome to Rider's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland. Oh, and I am so excited for our guests today. Um, so they are the people behind one of my favorite podcasts, Invasion of the Remake. It's the gang from Invasion of the Remake. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Hi, I'm Jason Bishop, the host of Invasion of the Remake. And of course, with me is Sam Stepanenko. Oh, I'm always Sam, as always. And Trish Coughlin. Hey, and I continue to be Trish, continuously. <laughs> So you guys set up uh, all the horror, and you were very kind to let me in. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, shit, now I need to pick a horror movie to do. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, let's do one of my favorites. And I was originally going to do An American Werewolf in London. I'm like, no, I like that too much. Then I was like, I need something mm -hmm. shitty. So let's do <laughs> <sighs> what shitty remakes. Yep, they do. They do remakes. I want to do a remake, so <laughs> so I'm like, let's do 2011's prequel remake of the thing, with basically two American actors and an all Swedish cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is what I call a stealth remake because it's a prequel, but kind of does the same thing. It's a premake. Mm -hmm. It's a premake. Well, not just that, but like they could only get 
two American, uh, one American, two American actors, an Australian actor, a British actor, and then everyone else in the cast is Swedish. <laughs> oh, that was um, on purpose, from what I understand. Yeah. The director wanted to keep that the the Norwegian flair from the original film, since we're leading up to that beginning moments of them mm-hmm. chasing the dog in the in the good one. That pissed me <laughs> off. This is kind of ironic. We we keep pushing. We we've never covered the thing on our show mm-hmm. because it's the one everybody wants, and then we figure nobody will listen to us after that, so we just <laughs> won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't care. <laughs> I'm the type of person who's like, well, I will never do the original of the thing, but I'm happy to do this version because this mm-hmm. uh, this came out in 2011. This came out, oh, Jesus Christ, like eight years ago. Yeah, and, uh, it came out in a time when I was like in my angsty. Oh, I've just graduated college. I can't find a job. It's been a year. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Oh, thank God they remade one of my favorite movies. Let's go see this. And then I was angrier. (laughs) (laughs) As well, you should have been. Yeah, I'm lucky I had not seen it until this point. I am sorry. That's okay. I still like you, Scott. Thank you. See, and yeah, I didn't didn't think it was as bad as all that. I'm just the weird outlier here. I'll just let you know. This was my second go around. It didn't go any better. Well, <laughs> there, there's only one really good thing in this movie, and that is she has three names. Mary Elizabeth Winston. She is the <laughs> only... You mean Ripley? I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, she's totally Ripley. <laughs> yep. I am going from here on forth. I'm calling her Ripley. <laughs> Essentially. That's fine. In the Milk Money episode, we kept calling the little girl Finn Wolfhard. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's so, awesome yeah she's Ripley and then I'm gonna call uh, Joel Edgerton not Kurt Russell cause like <laughs> yeah he was very not yeah well the thing that the <laughs> yeah, thing that no. really doesn't set this up as a prequel I, w- I would have loved this movie if it was just a remake like if they just did it as a remake did not send it set it in 1982 I would have been fine because I don't know remaking carpenter's movie it's like mm-hmm. painting a beard on the picasso or something like on, on it depends some... on which picasso though just fyi um <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't notice in most picassos <laughs> i suppose <laughs> the mona lisa maybe well, i'm gonna think i can go with the mona lisa um but yeah like i think that's the reason they kind of She's did the prequel yeah they did the prequel route why because you can't and it was sort of there was this whole bit at the beginning like it came from another place uh, in Antarctica. So they were like, well, why don't we just do that part of the story that didn't get done? It's like a, yeah, like the Rogue One type of bit where it's the other story that was happening off screen. There's, there's what I think is some amazing detective work in that film. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a good movie by any stretch, but the detective work in that movie is great. They grabbed as much stuff as they could mm-hmm. from the original film with the archives and the storyboards and paid close attention to the sets when they visited their Norwegian camp in that original mm-hmm. film and tried to build it as accurately as possible. And I did appreciate that. There's lots mm-hmm. of things they did well. I mean, I, I didn't hate it, but it, the whole movie undermines carpenter's version in the sense that part of what makes that movie work so well is the mystery of what happened at the camp well this and is such a guilty pleasure for me like i i like it but i don't like mm-hmm. i've seen this movie probably it used to be on uh amazon prime like all the time for free 
and then oh. they took it off two years ago. So I would always watch it. And my biggest problem that I noticed on this viewing is they got everything right about like how it looked, but the actual mm -hmm. actors, they look like they're present day actors. The haircuts look like 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think what's his name? Um, not another teen movie. Uh, 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 Eric Christian Olsen. Yes. He, he's wearing a North face. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not around in 85. 82. 82. Right. And he should have had much more long, flowy, glorious hair, a la, you know, Carrie that we did, like giant blonde. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead, her haircut is definitely not 80s. When I look at her, I'm like, she should have like the Farrah Fawcett flip. Like or, she should have had 80s looking hair. Or have the, the Ripley uh, perm. Mm -hmm. Just give her a perm. If you're going to do Ripley, you might as well go all the way out. Right? You're absolutely right. Yeah, do something that was... She looked more period in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Yeah, she did. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> <laughs> she also threw a grenade down some alien's throat, so... True. Also, <laughs> a habit for that's, me. Yes. That's her thing now. That's what she's going to be doing for the, the rest of her career. I'm going to blow shit up. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, also in um, Scott Pilgrim... She uh when they when they kill Anne or her, the uh -huh. she throws stuff at her face. So that that's her <laughs> trademark. Wow. She's got a thing. Oh, I keep thinking didn't death she proof kill is a guy that way. Didn't she kill someone by by like shooting them right like down the throat? Oh God, I don't remember that. I think hmm. this is her thing. I think her trademark is just like blowing stuff yep. up from the inside. <laughs> yeah unless she's dressed there as a cheerleader and then she doesn't she's got a very scary trademark <laughs> she does but i'm down for it <laughs> her other trademark is getting uh famous british actors to leave their spouse and then break up with them yeah yeah oh. well he's technically scottish so there's that <laughs> shots fired shots fired shots fired yeah no but, I, but only I, in canada i do i do love I do love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. This was like the height. This was right after Scott Pilgrim, I think. Mm -hmm. I think this was like exactly right after Scott Pilgrim. And this was the time when I had like a huge Mary Elizabeth Winstead crush. So that was the other reason why I saw the movie. <laughs> There's worse reasons to see movies. That's I, that's many movies I've seen. <laughs> well, like, I oh, did, what? This lead is great. I just go to Mary Elizabeth Winstead movies hoping that they'll be, you know, a sister film to Sky High, so. Mm, oh, I love that one. Oh, that's that's so silly, but fun. I love it. You mean Harry Potter with superheroes? Um, so, <laughs> so what we normally do on the podcast, I'm going to task you guys with this. So you're in a video store um, and you're looking at the back of this video box. What are the little paragraph to get you to rent this? Oh. oh, see, Sam and I even worked in a video store for a little while. I told you how old we are. Yeah. <laughs> I tried I to get say... a job in a video store and I got rejected twice. They're like, you don't I know mean... enough about movies. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> this movie oh, capitalizes yeah. uh, so much on nostalgia for the original film that you literally have to put that on the back of the box prequel yeah. to john carpenter's classic film this is what happens to the norwegians 
Yeah, or like yeah, Nor- Norwegian uh, Antarctic camp Thule <laughs> ha- discover makes a discovery, and a young paleontologist must come down and you know untangle what happens. But then what was it? What then what unfurls is the creature comes back back to life, and then they have to fight for survival, even though some of them may not be who they say they are. I oh, think that's, that's so good. What I the think. Said. Yeah. That's that's not the whole write up. I was just going through for the through line that's like bolded uh, above the picture. Well, he said paragraphs, <laughs> so great. I was going with yeah, that. No, that was that was excellent. <laughs> Thank you, man. See, if there was video stores still around, I could have that job. <laughs> I, I mean, I maybe on the front of my box it just says Norwegians and capitalized. <laughs> <laughs> People who rented this also rented Tootsie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would be a wild night. <laughs> That's the joke I always make every time someone does that, and it keeps getting laughed, so I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> if you rented this all rented Tootsie, can you imagine if Tootsie was combined with the thing? And like it kept <laughs> where it, where Dustin Hoffman was a creature who like gathered, <laughs> like well, it kind the, of the is already. And <laughs> good day, Mr. Alien. Yeah. I said good day. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> Alien becomes soap star? It's great. <laughs> I am not. I am not from Alpha Centauri 12. I am from Alpha Centauri 3. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> I will get you right in the badoobies. <laughs> what are badoobies? Well, if you were from Alpha Centauri 4, you'd know. <laughs> Was it just me or did anyone else want the, um, when she's working on the saber-toothed tiger at the beginning, want that saber-toothed tiger to be like, taken to Antarctica and then like that comes to life and then they have to fight a giant saber-toothed tiger. I don't know how that's getting on her carry-on. Yeah, yeah but it would have been a really cool visual. It would have. It like, might have made the movie just a little bit better. Just stop yeah. working on the frozen animal I, I was doing and go, let's go find this other well, frozen thing. See, I would have liked it if it had been like she'd already been in Antarctica. It was another creature that the thing could like impersonate and it was like some prehistoric creatures that were down in antarctica that would have been cool and they had to fight some of those yeah and then the dog ran across from california all the way to antarctica <laughs> yes <laughs> there there was something about that that i missed that i didn't like in this is where lars loves this dog he's really all about this dog and then when it gets killed and like they just find like the bloody remains of it. I'm like, I just wanted like, I maybe I missed it. The moment where Lars was sad that his dog was dead. <laughs> Time to go to Animal Rescue and get a new one. Yeah, but I mean like he loved this dog. So he's got to have that sad moment. We're like, oh no, my dog's gone. He's like, I'm Swedish. I, I don't get upset. <laughs> Keep it on the inside. <laughs> I think anybody from anywhere in the world can get upset when their dog dies. Other humans, no. Dogs, yes. <laughs> Oh, well, we have two dogs, and if anything ever happened to them, I would totally go full John Wick. Absolutely. <laughs> that's why that, you see, that's why that movie works so well. People are like, he did all this for a dog. I'm like going, if you love dogs, you completely get John Wick. Yeah, if you ever totally have a it. dog eat out of your hand, like, that, that's how you imprint. That, that's what happens. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to go on a killing spree like John Wick did. Absolutely. And considering this movie was essentially action horror fare rather than the suspense thriller of, of John Carpenter's version. Mm-hmm. Like this could have benefited from more of that to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, my biggest problem with this movie was uh, the CGI 
was so mm-hmm. bad. And the great thing about the original the thing was the practical stop motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately that that CGI was an eleventh hour decision by the producers because um, if you've watched your the back matter on the the Blu-ray. They they did do all of these animatronics and uh, puppetry stuff, so the actors had something to work with, and mm. ju- they were planning to just do digital tweaks on things they couldn't quite replicate, and it's amazing stuff. And then, mm. I don't know, those poor special effects guys uh, must have like postpartum depression after that, because mm. they created all this amazing stuff that eventually just got over done with mm-hmm. cgi what's that conversation oh, i'm sorry mr director the air christian olsen doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny because you can see where they where the practical effects were in the movie like you can actually mm-hmm. tell and then when the cgi kicks in it's like ah, oh, it jerked me right out again mm-hmm. right like it it just it's, it's really glaring and noticeable and, and i think we've covered this like on our podcast as well where practical effects just sort of sell things a little bit more there's like a heft and a weight to it that cgi has never quite been able to replicate and it's very jarring in this one for sure well you want if you're doing a a prequel to that giant carpenter one why wouldn't you want it to look like that and like those amazing rob botine effects Mm -hmm. like it just baffles me and they had it it was there so that alone i mean like oh re-release it with that and see how it does you see how badly it is done when when it pops up because it's done so fast Mm -hmm. at least it's the original looks of what they intended they were also trying way too hard to make this like the original i mean to the point where you basically have flying the helicopter that takes her there you have mccready and childs (laughs) like you have them in the front seat but it's played by two entirely different people Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was a really poor decision, actually. I think to go so heavily into the same character archetypes. Yeah, and they, if, they, if you're gonna do that, then give give Joel Edgerton the Kurt Russell, you know, mullet, like yeah, or the beard. Like, I mean, he's he's been living in the Antarctica for how long? He's there, you'd think that he would grow the beard to help protect his face. Yeah, oh yes, this is the other thing that bothered me about this whole thing was. There's one major part that every time they're walking around this base in Antarctica at night with winds, they don't have their faces covered. And I get that's so we can tell who is who. But honestly, they would get frostbite all over every single face in like five seconds. And that's just terrible. And it would be better if they didn't cover up their... I mean, if they covered up their faces, because if you don't know who's who, then that would like creep you out even more. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, it's what the a hell? Was, opportunity. What the hell was with that earring? It was the non-organic uh, material. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. Oh, Only no. reason it was there. I know, but it was basically just the stupid Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Yes. But you know what? That also solves the riddle at the end of the John Carpenter film. Mm-hmm. Is okay. Is one of them affected? And um, was it Giles? He had the re- earring. Mm-hmm. In that fi- in those final final moments, which means. There you he go. wasn't the thing. Although, in this version of the film, the thing, when it bursts out, it's animalistic and starts to learn and get smarter as it goes. Mm-hmm. So by the time it gets to the John Carpenter movie, it might be smart enough to put the earring back in when it takes somebody over. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, this is me trying to find ways to like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And this is our optimism. This is great. (laughs) The the best thing about this movie, besides, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of an anagram for Mary Elizabeth Winstead's from you. Um, (laughs) The best thing besides Mary Elizabeth Winstead is also Tormund is in this movie. Yes. Yes. I was so happy when I saw him. Jay doesn't get it. He hasn't watched Game of Thrones, so. Yeah, I don't get the reference. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, the big redheaded guy That's with okay. the beard. They, as soon as they looked at me, I knew it was Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the big I've ginger seen, guy. Like, I've seen, I think, the yeah. pilot, and that's it. Yeah. So. He's yeah, also the big in those guy. Orbits commercials. That's yeah. That's another thing. I've seen him on a standee somewhere in like a hotel once, and I was like, "Oh, there you go." Was he the one in Fate, Fate of the Furious? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I, that's right. All right. I know who he is now. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is the other thing too. When you talk about like they made the Kurt Russell and McCready, like they made the the two main characters in the thing as these two new actors. If it is the Norwegian station, why not just make them Norwegian? That that is a very good observation, and we need to go back in time to 2010 when they're filming this and be like, "Hey, why don't you just do that?" And then they'll kick us out and tell us to leave. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, probably. <laughs> How did you get That's in stupid. here? <laughs> yeah, well, imagine the whole movie subtitled and Jesus with the way the producers were involved with this. I mean, honestly, if it had just been the Norwegians, I would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wedging uh, the the Americans in there for the name recognition because um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was kind of just getting hot right at the time, and Joel Edgerton was just sort of breaking out. So they wanted that name recognition, and it didn't help. No, no. Like, and as you said, why do the same dynamics? I'm like, and and when they didn't, when they give us uh, Ripley, mm-hmm. it's well, we have that movie too. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I want her to be Canadian. <laughs> I was like, just make her Canadian hanging out with Norwegians. That's what I want. <laughs> See, this that actually would have made a certain amount of sense too. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also make her Canadian, get rid of Joel Edgerton, put in Ryan Reynolds, because mm-hmm. this was when he was in his like making shitty movies phase. Mm-hmm. He could have easily. We just did Amityville. It. We know. <laughs> that was 2005. Yeah. That was one of the It was movies. a long bad period then. Oh, he had a very long bad period. I I worked in a movie theater when the original uh when the remake of Amityville came out and I had to clean it and I had to kick out two kids who were trying to have sex. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's better than watching the movie. I was I was like, like, guys, how I know does the that movie's get you going? <laughs> were they both into Ryan Reynolds? I don't get how that gets you going. <laughs> <laughs> he is a pretty man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shut it down, but just like you realize how sticky that floor is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just went in there with my spray bottle and was like, stop it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Bad I'm sorry, bad. but nobody wants that salt and faux butter up there. It's just not good. Well, they were in the chairs. They weren't on the floor. <laughs> yeah, but people people drop popcorn on the chairs. This is true. <laughs> and I'm I'm assuming that the chairs aren't steam cleaned after every showing, so nope. you've had at least four or five butts in that seat um, that day. Let alone now compound that over whenever they actually do the clean amount it. of farts. That, that is just... a lot of 
lot of stank in that seat. I just want to be like, guys, I just cleaned the theater. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not even that type of theater. (laughs) At least if it was a porno theater, you knew what you were getting into. (laughs) Go to Kendall. The things people do. (laughs) That's a a Boston joke right there that only I get. Nice. Um, um, So yeah, I mean, remakes itself this isn't the worst uh, that came out in that time period i think that the remake mm-hmm. of nightmare on elm street was a million times worse mm-hmm. we covered it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot wrong with it yeah yeah you won't see us disagreeing with you on that mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah at least this one just had a uh did anyone else hear joel edgerton's Amer- uh, australian accent sneak in a few times Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought his is. I wasn't sure what he was supposed to be, to be honest. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I thought he, he kept cracking all the time. Well, when he asked if she was U.S., I didn't get him as U.S. at that point. No, and I wouldn't have believed him. No, yeah, because he was like, <laughs> "Are you American?" Mm-hmm. The Cavaliers. That's not a <laughs> knife. <laughs> also killer croc was his was the 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 child's version in this one like that just blew my mind you had the guy who played killer croc in suicide squad whose name i oh, could yeah. never pronounce that's why i just call him killer croc i've seen him in a few other movies but yeah adewali akinawi ak I almost had it. You started off <laughs> okay. Close. I did. That last one has got uh, Agabaji. Let's go with that. Okay. Um, and please forgive me. Do not do not write me. Um, put all your hate mail to the bagel basket. <laughs> this is a common theme. If you listen to the show, Jay Mangle's names mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. That is my. Thing. It's a part of a trademark. Mm. <laughs> yeah, with that Karen Knightley. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I was thinking about who they should have casted, like if they were trying to get star power besides, I mean, I would have kept Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but mm-hmm. if they really wanted to get people to see this movie, replace uh, Eric Christian Olsen with Michael Sarah, and this movie would have been a million times better. <laughs> it would have been a very different dynamic. Oh, yeah. Very <laughs> but they, they would have just had made uh, Scott Pilgrim and then just to have him as this like guy like, oh, so you're just going to give me shit because I flossed my teeth? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Michael Sarah always plays Michael Sarah. Yeah. See, but I would have swapped out if we're going to go Scott Pilgrim. I would have put Kieran Culkin in there just for the comedy. <laughs> I would have made Kieran Culkin uh, McCready. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, if they made this movie, if they remade this, if this stayed in limbo because this remake was in limbo, did you uh Jay, did you uh know how long this was in limbo for? Um, I don't think I read that, uh, but I would guess it's um probably about 5 or 6 years anyway. 10 fucking it... years. Whoa. Wow. 10 years. 2001 was when they were they originally greenlit it. And that's still too late. I mean, it's a prequel to a movie from 1982. Mm-hmm. It's still too late. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they were really appealing to a niche market with this and they disappointed that niche market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if they waited like maybe two or three more years, they would have 
they would have kept Mary Elizabeth Winstead because she would have been like hot off of 10 Cloverfield Lane, but they would have mm. totally made Chris Pratt uh, not Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. That alone would have put butts in seats. Yeah. yeah. Or Hemsworth. One of the Hemsworths. Yeah. Even Luke. Yeah, or Evans. Any- well, I don't know. Hemsworth well, any doesn't Chris. seem to put butts in seats. His, when he's uh, not in a Marvel movie, they don't tend to do very well. This is true. Yeah. But it's not like this movie did very well either. No. It's $38 million budget, and it made 31.5. Yeah. 31.5, yeah. Ugh. Fair. I mean. Boy, that's worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So nobody gave a shit. Yeah. And it, just, and it didn't even make its money back on the DVD release. It only made just over $10 million on, on on video sales. Yeah. Yeah, and see it should it, it's it, like we say like it, it, they should have really kind of leaned into the time. They didn't do that. They they should have made it different enough. Like you didn't need McCready in this one as well. Like they should have made it the right film to be a prequel. It was like they sort of hodgepodged and sm- it's like the thing. They smushed it these ideas into one thing when they should have had like a separate idea. Oh, I was going to say they should have made it an all female cast. Mm-hmm. That would have made or it. or there should have been more female characters at least at the Norwegian station because that would have been different and it would have been like they had just that one other female and but I think they would have had more they hardly they hardly made any use of her at all yeah no yeah she's like I don't feel uh, some characters just disappear yeah yeah there was one dude who uh, unless you watch the special features you don't know what happened to him and mm-hmm. uh, what happened was he committed suicide. He cut his wrists, and uh, he was in the radio station. He cut his wrists, and then he cut his throat. But you don't know that unless you watch the special features on the desk. Well, they show him frozen, and that's it. They don't show the actual suicide. Yeah. Oh, so they pull a Royal Tenenbaums where they just have him slit his wrists. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, they were, I mean, they, they, they did take a lot of care into making things look like where they found the bodies mm-hmm. when they were searching the camp in in the Carpenter film. So there was a lot of things they were trying to make work where they should have made the story. Answer those questions. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the biggest failing of this film, it's not doing the same archetypes. It's the fact that it is an action horror movie. They know about the alien right away. So suddenly the thriller suspense part of it mm-hmm. is gone. Yes. And that, that there's not as much tension in this movie because it's just let's go find the alien let's mm-hmm. and and most people aren't actually inf- infected at all mm-hmm. and i didn't i didn't need the spaceship <laughs> well th- this really reminded uh, the spaceship uh, we'll get to that the spaceship made me so <laughs> angry but this just reminded totally me of when the star wars prequels came out and the whole Patton oswald bit of i don't want to know where the things i like come from <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true like we didn't need this at all mm-hmm. we knew something bad happened there and because of the way the john carpenter film starts we know everybody freaking dies mm-hmm. yeah it, it, you referenced rogue one and uh, yeah, yeah like and, i said earlier it, it completely undermines what happens in the in the, in the second one or mm-hmm. in, in carpenter's original i should say uh, because 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 part of what makes that work so well is the suspense and the mystery of what happened there yeah, and much like Rogue One, I mean, as good as that movie actually is for a standalone mm-hmm. Star Wars movie, you know how it's going to end. Those plans mm-hmm. came at a great cost. It's like, of course the Titanic is sinking. We know, so why get attached yeah. to these people? Well, we actually don't know if everyone dies because Lars 
you know, is in the helicopter, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead just gets into the thing and drives away. So mm-hmm. we don't know if she... She doesn't drive away, though. No, she just gets she, in there sits and sits. There. She sits, because the, the other dude was the one who knew where the Russian camp was. She didn't. Nope. <laughs> so she could drive in a direction and maybe get lucky, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you meant to infer that she freezes to death. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's but, still but again, they don't tell you, right? It's it's, it's kind yeah. of like the suicide where you don't really know what happens, and it does. It leaves a gaping hole in the story. Yeah, instead of like that ending in John Carpenter where they're sitting staring at each other and you don't know if they get rescued or not. There's tension yeah. and there's something in that ending where it's like, okay, well, she beat that and credits yeah. roll. Well, what happened to her? Who the fuck cares? Well, <laughs> see, and here's the other thing. When you talk about the, the spaceship and all this alien stuff, like, here's the pitch. I wouldn't mind seeing a movie where, again, you know everybody dies. That's fine. I, like, I mean, Titanic. We all knew they died. That's great. Uh, <laughs> and it did wonderfully, because even though we know what the fuck happens. Everybody does. And it still made lots of money. It's, it's a decent movie to watch. So having them all die doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad movie. But what it should have been is it sh- the alien stuff should have been there. It should have still been a mystery where they'd found some weird hybrid thing that the thing had already taken over. Like it wasn't actually in an a- its alien form. And it would have been that investigation and that happening. A just removed it entirely where they didn't know. Yeah. So just have it be that. And then that tension is still there. But you just have a different dynamic going on. Well, the and then it's even more of a remake of the original. Yeah, but the alien thing didn't work for me. The fact that they had to wedge in the dog at the end because, like, the movie you could you could tell they're like, well, how do how do we know that this is a prequel to the original one? Oh, well, mm-hmm. we need to add this scene where Lars is surprisingly still alive, and they're chasing this dog because you could have easily put that scene before you know um she drove away you could like intercut what was going on mm-hmm. it would have worked better it absolutely would have worked better but it they didn't because once again you had a first time director who had never mm-hmm. made an american movie before and everything else he's made were like shorts and music videos i'm sorry but when when you're doing a horror movie or a big budget movie yeah, it's great that you made a Bjork music video, but that's not going to do great here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've come across that a couple of times uh, over the course of our show where music video guy came and just pooched it. But I will give forgive this guy a little bit because he does hold the original, well, the original Carpenter movie in such high regard, and he just didn't get to execute his vision the way he wanted to. Mm-hmm. The experience for him with production in Universal was so bad that he, I don't think he's still worked on another American movie since. He mm-hmm. hasn't made a movie until two years ago. He made a short film for, like, Volkswagen. Like, right. that's how yeah. long it's been. Oh. And how much of that is because of this movie and not doing not doing well, and how much is because of his disillusionment? It's probably a combination of both. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go back to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe why not? Yeah, and the cast is too big. That was the other thing that sort of bothered me. I had trouble keeping track I, of yeah, people. Yeah, I did have trouble keeping track of who was I who and where they the were. Cra- uh, yeah, the, the beards were starting to look like to me. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like The Departed when I had trouble telling who was who. I wish they they just did like. All of the well-known Swedish actors, like you have like Peter Stormare, you, you have Stellan Skarsgård, you have Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, well, I mean, yep. these these guys 
were huge Norwegian stars. They are like the Brad Pitts in, of their country. They were huge. They're just not mm-hmm. known to us. Yeah, well, that that's great, but that doesn't help us. <laughs> no, well, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't help draw an American audience, that's no. for sure, yeah. And the, you know, the 10,000 people that live in Norway. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. After you. Oh, I... Um, but yeah, I was... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you have that one guy who's from, like, Norway who's just sitting in an American movie theater and goes, oh, look, it's her to bear to bear to bear. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, shut up. The only way they could have done this, like, 2011, I'm not sure how... Game of Thrones was still big at then, right? Like, they should have waited... It was just really beginning. It was just really beginning. They should have waited a couple of years and used a bunch of Game of Thrones actors and they would have been fine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, if you put Jamie Lannister as not Kurt Russell... He already had the mm-hmm. beard. That would have drawn audiences for sure. No, yeah. Although, although his films, <laughs> his film stuff is all very B direct to video stuff. He's had, he's done a couple movies and and they're they're good, but they just don't get the coverage. Wait, Sam, you don't like the other woman? Oh, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that one either. Oh, his rom com that he made with Cameron Diaz and Leslie. Oh yeah, Mann. I I saw the trailer for it and I was like, no. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't being serious. I'm I'm, I'm just being. A <laughs> Yeah, if you listen to our show, we're not big rom-com people. I am, but I mean, that one just didn't appeal to me. <laughs> we dedicate an entire month to rom-coms, and then the following month is all movies about toxic relationships. So They are. <laughs> well, that was the whole thing. I've, I've pitched this a few times where I'm like, we have to fix rom-coms because they're terrible. We have to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> well, this, and this is you all, cannot fix them. This movie could almost be a rom-com. Like at times the way Mary Elizabeth Winstead's mm-hmm. looking at Joel Edgerton and then like, like um, Eric Christian Olsen, it's like this weird love triangle. It's like, well, maybe I am in love with it. Adam. Oh, he's an alien. Never mind. Uh, next option. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I remember reading it when I was doing sort of my reading is they were saying that they deliberately didn't have a romance, quote unquote, but they still had all those elements, right? Because because of the, the her her interaction with not Kurt Russell and the 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 other college student guy whose name I can't remember. There's too many damn names, mm-hmm. but yeah, there you're right. There's a bit of a triangle there, and it didn't need to be there. It wasn't necessary. I think it, it, another thing that kind of took away from the there yeah. is a romance. You just don't see it on screen. You watch the special features, the the big red bearded guy mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. Uh, he has some sexy time with the little arm beast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he has a little private time. You can see him necking out in the special features with it, and then he hops it, in his trailer, and the trailer starts shaking. It, it, <laughs> like, All right, so he he is into that little crab arm thing. Well, I thought the one Norwegian woman was involved with the guy that got killed. I thought that's why she was so upset. But that could be just me putting that on there. Well, this is just like an alien covenant where like you have the whole, you know, couples thing that's never explained. Uh-huh. And that that's what her story was like. You could tell that her character was just there because her boyfriend's there. Well, no, I could see why she was there, but like they probably came as a set. And that was the whole thing. But like, like I say, like when you're talking about female characters, you introduced a few more female characters. There's a different dynamic and it doesn't feel weird that she's there. And because that's what the thing is, like when you see her, this one lone woman, it does seem weird that she's there. But if you add another one, it seems okay. 
if you they were I mean? sisters, if you had like, you know, Alicia Vikander would have been way too young. But if you had someone like that, like give her like a sister or like or her. just other scientists. They're just they're both have their own specialties. Well, they sister don't even scientists need to be related. Okay. <laughs> That's you have a bit of a sister thing scientist. for sisters there, Scott? <gasps> oh my God. If you could have it with a set of twin scientists and one of them is a thing, how cool would that be? <laughs> and they're trying to get their parents back together. So you have like the thing a- and the parent trap. <laughs> Literally a parent trap. <laughs> well, I mean, if they just ingest their parents and regurgitate them as new people and make them be together, then there you go. I mean, when when uh, Eric Christian Olsen gets melded with the other guy who looks exactly like him, but it's not him. Um, did anyone else think of Rick and Morty with the Cronenbergs? Oh yes, <laughs> now now I do. I think I I was looking at it going like I've seen something like this before, but now I get it. <laughs> it was a Cronenberg. Also, um, that last alien looked like. It, it looked like Crap. a vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> I was like, did anyone else see that? I did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was furious when I saw it. <laughs> oh, man, it's teeth all over again. That's what I was I was thinking. I'm like, this is, this is just bringing back all the trauma from teeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... Let's talk about the spaceship. Oh. Uh, uh, do we have to? I mean, <laughs> yes. about, about alien references and Geiger references. I mean, it's so blatant in there. Yeah. I mean, it was Prometheus before Prometheus. That that ship yeah. looked exactly like the ship from mm-hmm. Prometheus. And why did it even need to be there? It did not need to be there. No. Well, I think there was something in the original script. And I agree. They, they did. Well, actually, they did because they find where they did their dig in their new region camp later. And mm-hmm. so they're just homaging from the John Carpenter again. That's why they did it. But I think initially in the original script, they were intending to do a little bit of an origin of the thing where mm-hmm. this is an alien spacecraft. It's not the things alien spacecraft. And when Ripley's down there, mm-hmm. I'm calling her Ripley. And she, she discovers all of these dead alien bodies that have been burned and stuff. Um, that would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. Well, it's, they, it's, they, it's, they had that challenge of, of does she find the alien or does she find the, the, the evidence? Yeah. And they, they couldn't make the two work together. And yeah, so instead they of we get the, that shitty Tetris thing. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that. But the other what bothered me actually was actually something at the very beginning where they see this huge giant spaceship and they're like, well, we think that the signal got triggered when the survivor got out. I'm like going, there's only one on that whole big gigantic enormous ship and nobody says anything <laughs> like i would be the first person who's like there was just one thing on this whole thing come on <laughs> it's like sam rockwell and moon just one person. yeah i don't buy it one person in that ginormous ship i hard pass that's a no yeah no it's supposed to be in an escaped subject yeah, and the, I mean, the thing is, there's also only one thing, and as we've seen, as we see in the movie, it replicates itself, and you end up end up with multiple things. Yeah, because it can uh, separate itself. From yeah, the body. but I which would've... why did it 
gets stuck in the tunnel, like when she escapes mm-hmm. through the the vent or whatever the hell that was, uh, yep. and it didn't go after. We've already see, established earlier in the film it can separate pieces of its body. Yeah. But I guess my problem is, like you say, it's the one thing. But again, it doesn't need to be an enormous ship. That's the problem I had. If you had one thing, fine. Just don't make it this enormous ship. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, it should have been like yeah. an escape pod. Like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I hate this movie, but Life with Jake Gyllenhaal. Escape pod. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it was well, the escape here- Go on. No, you go ahead, Scott. Sorry. Oh, it was the escape pod that basically causes the apocalypse for the world and life. It should always be mm. something tiny. Don't think yes. horses. I mean, don't think zebras. Think horses. <laughs> like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to go back to the very beginning when they first get to the ship and she falls in. Sorry, she's fucking dead. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when you scream that long, up, you she's fall puking long blood. Time. She is not walking around and running. No. See that that's where it should have been like really like creepy where like she's like paralyzed and the aliens like I Ooh. can give you life. You don't have to die. That would See that would have been cool. Yeah. Oh, and it attaches to like to her bottom half and it starts doing stuff she doesn't want to, a la Evil Dead, where Ash's arm goes really crazy. <laughs> oh god, I can Am tap I- dance now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one who wanted to see the snow cat get pulled out of the wedged when they yes, fall please. in yeah like they they fall they, in they see this spaceship down below yes. them they're not moving and next thing you know they're out we're out and i'm like but that's that's the best part this, right? this is the only part of the movie that had tension yes <laughs> did anyone else think that he he put it in reverse he was putting it in reverse and he was like okay back i thought they were going to try yep (laughs) but that's how you die because it would have scraped off more snow on either side and they just would have plummeted to their deaths (laughs) but i think that's i think what would they were trying to intimate is they'd taken the crane out there to get those guys out because they do say they had a crane in that area to get the the big block of ice out but yeah, I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have seen the rescue mission where they're like, guys, you got to come get us. Like that would have been exciting and tension building. Mm-hmm. And it sort of would have been a lot more interesting than the first like 30 minutes where everybody else was, where they were sort of setting everything up because it was kind of boring. Yeah. And when you're that far down the ice, are you even going to get a signal out? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot there. There was a lot of opportunity. <laughs> there's a lot of missed opportunity with yeah. that bit. Yeah, Somebody sure. needs to do that sequence of the movie. A remake movie. of the remake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or like ultimately, that's when the first infection happens. Even, but I don't know. You know, the one thing that I thought was the most unbelievable thing in the movie was, uh, yeah, I didn't buy that Mary Elizabeth Winstead was a Men at Work fan when she's listening to "Who Can It Be Now" at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's not yeah. believable. We all know she's a Springsteen fan. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, I would have, I would have had her uh, that when somebody's watching me. <laughs> Oh, by Rockwell. I always feel like. Well, honestly, they probably just picked a a song from that era because everybody had modern hair and North Face jackets. Mm -hmm. Nothing says 1982 like that song. Like, There's a certain irony there that they spent all that time with the fine details of trying to explain all the things that they see at the station in the Carpenter film, but they miss the really key details about the look. Like it was really, yeah. and you're right. It was really fine details. That axe yep. that's in the wall that they said leave there, yep. covered in blood. Well, I can see why they would, but 
they made sure it was actually at the right height of mm-hmm. that actor who did it, it you know when kurt russell's yeah. standing next to it in uh, in the carpenter movie yeah. like they they did the measurements and the, stuff well okay kurt russell's like 510 so i'm not sitting there so this guy must be around this height yeah like, they, good they destroyed all the blueprints of the actual art and all the models so what they did the director and his production crew asked kurt russell how tall he is and they used him <laughs> oh, as a reference awesome. point they're like oh he's 511 so let's just it's yeah crazy that yeah. they have that kind of detail and then they just gloss over what the, yeah. the look of the 80s well in it's general. it's like they went in and they like okay so art director okay we're gonna send this memo out to everybody and that we need this very detailed and very this but it only got to the art direction team everybody else got left out of the email <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, cost- costumes and wardrobe didn't get it. Yeah, nope. I feel like and they're hair. like, oh my god, we have Colleen Atwood. Oh, she dropped out. Uh, my sister does costumes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know a guy at North Face. We could use some of their stuff. <laughs> I mean, also, he had Eric Christian Olsen had an orange jacket. They did not have orange jackets like that back then. They did not. I know because I am a time traveler. Um, no, You're a what? <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> I said I'm a time traveler. No, I'm not. Um, no, but like back then for giant puffy jackets like that, they always had three colors, black, gray, and brown. Mm-hmm. I know that because my dad would tell me that all the time. I watched this uh, when it first came out with my dad. and He's like, they didn't have orange jackets back then. <laughs> no, they had green though. They also had green. Like I sort of, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know because I ambled enough, and I did have a green one. Would these have been sun ice jackets? Uh, this is pre sun ice. Nineteen eighty two is before sun ice. Yeah. It is, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sun ice. But then you got like the orange or red vests, puffy vests. But that was like Back to the Future, maybe a couple years later. Right. I mean, did they even have an LL Bean back then? Ooh. Uh, I don't know because L.L. Bean was late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. So basically, these are like Sears clothes. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would have loved for Wilford Brimley just to show up at the end of the movie. Like, like he's going to the wrong camp. He's like, oh, sorry, I'm at the wrong camp. <laughs> he just... With my diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hope my arms don't get eaten off. <laughs> or I just lose them from diabetes. <laughs> um, I I wish they tried to recreate that that scene, that uh, defibrillator scene, something like that. For a movie that was trying so hard to be like the original, they don't try hard enough with the actual script and the execution. As you said before, production design perfect, costumes shit, hair and makeup awful script now you're just getting worse Mm -hmm. well i thought they were sort of getting to it when they have the creature and he has her help her help him open it up and then they find that sack in there i thought that's where they were going to kind of insert something like the defibrillator scene that's what i was expecting and like you could tell that they were like short on like budget and they had to instead of doing the really cool you know hot you know um the blood with the the uh, the needle, the hot needle. <laughs> they do. Uh, hey, open your mouth. Can I see your fillings? 
<laughs> you know, I, I liked that though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, they, I'm glad they didn't come up with the blood test. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But yeah, I, I think the fact that she recognized that it couldn't ha- it couldn't absorb non-organic materials. Yeah. it was probably the most original thought in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but that scene itself was just ridiculous because. I love how she goes up to the guy who can't speak English and she just opens her mouth and he looks at her and he's like, oh, I understand. Uh, uh, well, to be honest, the best line in the movie is is that if, if, if without that it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to die because I floss. Yeah. <laughs> so like that made the movie. <laughs> what if that was her whole plot the whole time? She's just jealous of his perfect teeth. She just <laughs> wants him to die. <laughs> this movie sponsored by Colgate. <laughs> Four out of five dentists recommend this movie. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yes. Great minds. <laughs> well, the producers of this movie are four out of the five dentists. That fifth one is just a douchebag. <laughs> Actually, a dentist did donate money to this movie to get him in. <laughs> so, so he's like, I really like that teeth scene. Probably. Also, why did there there did not have to be a prison break scene? We did not need a scene where where absolutely where McCready and uh, not McCready and not uh, not Keith David stormed the the facility with a blowtorch. What was your what was your plan after you break out of your prison cell? That doesn't prove you're not an alien. No, it doesn't. And then they no. end up essentially murdering somebody else yep. in the process. Mm-hmm. Right. And I understand there was supposed to be that moment of tension there. It's like, uh, who's going to shoot first kind of thing, like the, like the old West gunslinger stuff. But it really undermines those char- the, the, the characters, the, the not McCready yeah. and not Keith David characters, because they, they've now committed murder. And see, it shouldn't have been an escape. It, well, not an escape from just being locked up. It should have been an escape from like the thing at some point, which would have added another layer of like, are they or aren't they? Like if they had them in the bunker and um, I can't even think of who would have been well, like, near their prison cell that would have been turning in. No, I think it would be like, like the creature can break off into things. We've already figured that out. But what I would have had is like they come into where they were locked up and it was just trashed. <laughs> like they would have thought that something had happened there, but in, rather than pristine with a few boards missing. Now we're just making a better movie. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> we can't help ourselves. <laughs> and I just tell dick and fart jokes the whole time and talk about nostalgia. It's just what I do. <laughs> I, I love how um, at the very end, she goes uh, to not Kurt Russell. She's like, you know how I knew you weren't an alien? And he's like smiling like they're having a meet cute. And she goes, your earring. And then he he touches the wrong ear, still smiling like a douchebag. And and then he's like, no, no, I can explain. I can explain. And then she kills him. Yeah. Well, at that point, if you're an alien that uh, knows it's going to get burned. Yep. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, then pay attention, alien, <laughs> if you want to get I past a, this. I have a question. It bothered me a lot with the movies. How many of those goddamn f- flamethrowers did they have? Yeah. Right? I understand why they have them. I, I, I do. Like, it, it took me you know, about five minutes to go, well, what, I'm like going, why are they flamethrowers? Flamethrowers, speech impediment. And then I realized, oh, they're in the Antarctic. They're going to need to melt ice at points. So that makes sense that they would have them. Right? But how many do they need? 
And the never-ending fuel supply. Yes. Because it's going to burn up pretty quick. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> I, I think that's what I also liked about this movie is I'm like, going, I kind of just desperately want to use a flamethrower at some point in my life just to do something. Rewatching this movie and seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I just want to play with a flamethrower now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Imagine being like those stunt actors because there was not a lot of CG in those flames. I think they did mm-hmm. it just to... There was probably some enhancement there, but they they were like doing full burns on live actors with flamethrowers. Oh, if I was a stunt actor and they did full burns on live actors and then they inserted all this CG, I'd be fucking pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did that, and you then you did this. Oh, <laughs> somebody's gonna get burned for real this time. Well, right? <laughs> I just felt bad for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's a tiny, and she's like tiny compared to like everyone else around her, and she's. Holding, she's wearing this giant heavy flamethrower and she's not moving as fast as everyone else. Did you notice that? She's like, she's wearing the flamethrower and she's just like, uh, uh. Hey, giant Norwegian, can you carry this for yeah. me? But you know what? I totally got it. Cause like the thing is, too, what they could have done is like, yeah, like she's outdoorsy. You get a big backpack on. Like, I mean, yeah, you're not moving as fast, but. That doesn't mean you can't still hold that thing for a while. No, I mean, in one scene, I, I I froze it. She started to fall over. This was not in the movie. This was <laughs> literally her not being able to hold it on her back. <laughs> yeah, mind you, you're walking across ice, too. So you're going to fall yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're right, because she is tiny. And, and I mean, even if they didn't have fuel in them, those things are going to be pretty heavy. Yeah. You think they could have mocked something up for her for for the scenes where she doesn't have to use it, though. Mm-hmm. That's why she gets a crossbow now for uh, playing Huntress. <laughs> <laughs> something lighter, more practical. Yeah. Um. So, are there any final takes before we get to the end of of this? Anything you want to add that just like blew your mind that you want to call bullshit on? Well, I do want to say that I respect the intent. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, what they intended isn't what the final product ended up being, but they tried really hard to give you something that was interesting and unique and that paid homage to the original movie um, and told that backstory, but it just, it all didn't quite come together right. And then the producers came and fucked it up. Yeah. And I want, I want answers about how they survived the crash. Oh yeah, I never got a clear answer, and that bothers me. No, and they like, and they say at a certain point they're like, "There's no way we can get to them," yet these two just wander back. We had our moon boots on. Like, I mean, maybe did they bail before it hit the final place over the other ridge? Because that would have answered that question. Like, I just need a line. That's all I want. Thank God we had our jet tiny explanation. Yeah, like, I don't, well, I don't know, like, our parachutes or something. Like, just a tiny explanation would have been really good. I mean, it must have been a hell of a jump if uh, Killer Croc couldn't walk. <laughs> well, I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead fell, I don't know how far, and she was fine, apparently. <laughs> well, th- this Physics. is top billing. This is what happens when you have top billing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <You're> so indestructible. <laughs> I lo- that would be the explanation. Well, how did you survive the crash? Well, we were protected by our hierarchy in the cast list. I'm third on the call sheet. <laughs> third on the call sheet. And so I was able to survive that crash. I suspect she's just related to John McClane. There we go, yes. <laughs> well, she is. Yeah, this really does have the indestructible hero trope. 
Yeah. Or maybe like it's because they're in the Antarctic and they fell in a particularly huge drift. But an explanation regardless. I just would have loved to see a shot of them jumping out and then sliding down the mountain going, wee! <laughs> yeah, or just tumbling. Um, One thing that really pissed me off, and this is like the the huge movie nerd in me, is I know they were trying to go for the classic 1982 Universal opening, but mm-hmm. that was not the Universal logo from 1982. That was the 1990s Universal logo. Mm -hmm. They couldn't even get that right. (laughs) Again. That was the studio again. Yeah. Yeah. The art direction was the only group that got that email. (laughs) Because that is the logo that they used for the movie Basketball. (laughs) That was the Universal. (laughs) I'm I'm Uh, not happy that I know that, but I know that. I was a about to say something about that is i'm gonna say universal is guilty of a lot of sins aren't they <laughs> yeah but well, the i theme don't know parts- i want them to release a director's cut of this movie with their director's original intent because mm-hmm. it was done they had the director's cut before they went into this 11th hour cg garbage i yeah. would like to see that just to see how it was meant to be yeah yeah I think it would be better received if we had that, honestly. Well, just like how Frank Darabont's black and white version of The Mist is a much better film than the colored version of The Mist. Like, directors have a vision. There's a reason why you hire them to make your movie. Let them do what they want to do. Exactly. They they, they know what, what they want to do and what they're doing. You're a production guy. You're a money guy. Quit fucking around with movies. Well, and also, like, you're you're a money guy, but you don't get the audience. This is the worst part where it's like, oh, we need to do this, this, and this. And, like, yeah, you're a money guy, but you don't understand what the audience is looking for, quite frankly. I mean, you think you do because you saw it work once. That doesn't mean it's going to work again. Well, as somebody who's being a producer, you always want to be part of the creative. You but do. But you shouldn't if you are on production side. You should just no. let the creative people be creative. And then you can blame somebody else. Yes. <laughs> and as a screenwriter, I'm just there for the craft services. So, <laughs> I really need awesome. that free meal voucher. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really, really wanted to love this movie on second viewing. Like when I saw it the first time, I was in such denial that I forced myself to like it. But this time around, I noticed so many inaccuracies. It looks gorgeous, but also if they really wanted this to look like the original, they shot it on film, but why didn't you just use the original cameras that they had? John Carpenter still has those cameras. He would have gladly lent them out. Use the cameras that they filmed on. Use the film stock. Like it's really Yeah, give it the same grain and everything. Yeah. Like be that exact. Mm-hmm. Or be like uh, Robert Rodriguez and add it in post. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, it took the uh, John Carpenter thing a long time to become the cult classic it is. So maybe, maybe this will happen with this one. It's been eight years. I no. think that that door's closed. <laughs> no. You know, but ultimately those rewrites we've been talking about, if we'd made that, <laughs> it probably would have. <laughs> Let's just make it a rom-com. She falls in love with the thing. He just wants to morph into a person to get a desk job at a at a company in New York and 
He just wants to make his way in this world. And occasionally eat a person. <laughs> yeah, just an alien just trying to get by. Just like Starman. <laughs> and there's, oh, and then they have this tension where they're like going, you know, you're not, you're not this, you're not that. And he's like, what do you want me to change? And so he just eats another person. And <laughs> that's how he changes. Oh, I think there's a movie there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the thing gets all guilty about all the people it killed earlier. Yeah, it's because it didn't have feelings yet. Yeah. <laughs> he meets her on top of the Empire State Building on New Year's Eve, and he's like, you know why I love you? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to taste so damn good. <laughs> I think we solved the problem of rom-coms. There aren't enough aliens. There we go. So yeah, um, as we always do on the podcast, uh, on a scale of one to 13 bagels out of a baker's dozen, one being shit, 13 being great, how many bagels are left in your bagel baskets? Uh, left in my bagel baskets. I'm going to well, go with six and a half because one, that one that's just half eaten, it's uh, it's starting to get a little moldy. So that that's where I'm going to stay with this. It's it's not terrible, but it's not great. And that last, if you take one more bite, you're going to get sick. That's pretty accurate. I was going to go like a six to seven. So I, uh, I'm going to go with Jay and split the difference and go six and a half. But... Uh, I'm still going to go with, with seven is it's better than like, I still have that whole bagel. It's, it's better than maybe you can give it credit for, but like, I can't really fault some of the bagels for the problems. <laughs> they were just baked wrong and it's not their fault. <laughs> I'm also going with seven. Uh, but one of them is fused together with another one to make it seven. Just like Eric Christian Olsen and that <gasps> poor Swedish guy. <laughs> no, they're all <laughs> everything bagels because they're all molded together with everything <laughs> well those are my favorite bagels <laughs> oh they're good oh yeah <laughs> um so guys you want to talk about your podcast absolutely we're invasion of the remake we are everywhere on your podcast devices apple Podcasts, stitcher google play music tuning radio player fm blueberry even freaking youtube, YouTube. See, even freaking YouTube. So you can find us everywhere on your podcast devices. We drop every week, every Tuesday, and we alternate between comparing movies to their remakes and um, the alternate weeks. We will talk about a movie that has never been remade before that we think has a nugget of a good idea that may have failed the first time because... Why remake something that's already good into mm-hmm. a shitty movie? Why make why not make a shitty movie into a better one? Mm-hmm. That's us. <laughs> and I want to thank you guys for doing all the horror. Um, this has been so much fun organizing this. Um, Speak for yourself. It's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> this is all Sam. <laughs> Sam is amazing at all of this. Sam, you did a great no, it's, job. It's it's been it's been a lot of fun. I I'm, I'm making a lot of new friends through doing this, and and we had so much fun last year. I just we wanted to expand it this year, and we got some really great people in, in the, involved this year. Yeah. Um. I also with one of your episodes. Uh. I think the first time I contacted you guys was after I did my last action hero episode. You guys did yours, mm-hmm. and I was like, I just want to tell you, I love that episode. And my Jack Slater was Chris Hemsworth, and you're, you guys were like, that's a great choice. It yes. is. <laughs> he would make a great Jack Slater, it been, and yeah. still no one would yeah. see that movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe this might be the one thing. Like you say, his non-Marvel movies don't do well. Maybe that would be the thing <laughs> that would get him past that. 
Maybe. Keep saying the thing. Let's just keep throwing that in there. <laughs> the thing that would get him past that. The thing that'll get his career kickstarted again. The thing will get everybody's career going, except anybody in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank it, you. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. And it gave us a chance to talk about uh, talk about the th- uh, sort of skirt around the... The, the pink elephant that That's is right. the we, thing, 1982. Someday we will do that 50s thing from another world and the John Carpenter thing, but uh, not for a very long time. This will have to stand as Invasions the Thing episode mm-hmm. with uh, Bagel Basket. Thank yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you want to find us, we are on the Twitter, the Instagram. Unfortunately, our Twitter is at W-R-T-R-B-H-E-E-L-B-S-K-T. No vowels, all vowels, no vowels, because Twitter hates me. Um, writer's Bagel Basket is normal spelling on Instagram. Email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. Someone keeps st- sending me spam. I'm not going to click on it, seriously. Um, and uh, <laughs> like us on Facebook, and you can find us wherever fine videos are sold. So until next time, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Scott. I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. everybody, this is Kelly Reynolds, and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands, who cares uh, about up against the wall by the fruit <laughs> yes. trees? Like, where's the dragon? Inside the belly of a dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with Navy Seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come okay, on, you guys. Good. Really. We read it all. Check us out at Boobies Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. You can also support Boobies and Newbies on Patreon.com for lots of bonus booby content and early episode releases. Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From The Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network, and wherever podcasts may be found found. Hi, this is Tony, the host of the Flix X-Raid podcast. 
Each week, I am joined by guests. Hey, hello. Yo. Why, hello there. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. And we have a roundtable discussion where we dig deep and x-ray a bunch of our favorite films and some really terrible ones, too. We really like to go back and take a look at films that may be forgotten, maybe in the past, and still lovable films. If you want, you can follow us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. If you want to find out more, you can find us online at www.flixxray.com. And you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you want to reach out to us. Good night, Internet.